Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group, and it's Friday, October 1st, 2010. And we're going to switch this up just a little bit today because I wanted to let our guest know a little bit about the background of the Executive Girlfriends Group, and I thought it might be useful to some of our listeners uh, who listen to these broadcasts on Blog Talk Radio, uh, as well as the Solutions Live iTunes channel. And, uh, of course, we also have our listeners that come uh, from the Executive Girlfriends Group. We have about 570 members across the country, uh, ranging from executive uh, women who hold positions in you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, uh, all the way down to uh, folks who work in entrepreneurial ventures, typically you know, 100 employees and, and below, uh, and that would include uh, uh, people who have been founders and, and are on the leadership team as well as, as executives who work for those smaller companies. And then, of course, we have uh, quite a few entrepreneurs and solopreneurs who have their own businesses and uh, everything from consulting, financial planning, PR, uh, lots of different service-oriented businesses. And then we uh, still have a, a large number of people, of course, who fall into the ranks of what we like to call in-between successes. Uh, we used to refer to that as on sabbatical, uh, which I think is another really, really nice treatment of uh, being at a place where you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, kind of kind of what's your next gig and, and what's your calling. And uh, we, we believe here at, at the Executive Girlfriends Group that we are all here to leave some kind of a legacy, and and some some of us know what that legacy is and and what we're supposed to be doing. Others are kind of in the midst of searching for that. Um, I live in Tampa, Florida. I founded the Executive Girlfriends Group in August of 2008. Actually, uh, very coincidentally, uh, I launched it on. Uh, National Girlfriends Day, and I, I didn't even know that that was the day of our first call, but it, it's uh, very fortuitous because I, I believe that the whole term uh, girlfriend is a, a really, really important part of who we are because it allows us to be both our business self and our personal self, uh, which uh, really, uh, for most of us, kind of blurs anyway. Uh, I know most of the women who are regulars on this call um, you know, while while there is some separation of church and state in their in their private life and in their business life, um, on this call uh, they feel a, a great uh, sense of comfort in in uh, sharing what's going on in all aspects of their life, and that that's uh, one of the reasons I founded the Executive Girlfriends Group. It's uh, precisely why we have our call at the very end of the day uh, for most of us on on uh, Friday afternoon. We do have some members in Hawaii. Uh, who it uh, falls, I believe, late morning. But it's so that uh, you can have a, a clear transition from uh, your business life during the week uh, to the, the weekend. And uh, for people like me who work with my husband, it, it kind of allows me to you know, kind of let everybody know what's happened during the week, and then I move on and, and spend time with my, my kids and my husband over the weekend and hopefully don't have to drag my business all the way through that. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce our very, very special guest, uh, some of you may have been looking forward to uh, hearing her in the summer, and, and we weren't able to get together uh, then. But uh, thank you so much, uh, Laura Stack, for arranging um, to be with us today. And you know, it's my my experience that nothing ever happens by accident, and uh, and generally. Uh, we have the person on the call uh, who's supposed to be on the call today. And, and so those who are listening uh, with us live today and those who are listening uh, after the fact, 
um, uh, are very much looking forward to hearing you talk about your book and just a little bit about your your consulting work and your speaking work. Uh, I uh, had originally told you that I was scheduling you on the first Friday of the month because this is our day to talk about leadership, and and uh, uh, you reminded me in, in your confirmation email that, that you're actually a productivity expert. But uh, as I mentioned in the notification about the call, I really believe that there's a very, very strong correlation to productivity, leadership, and actually life balance. So uh, why don't we just dive right in, Laura? Why don't you just give us a little bit of your background, and and again, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here, and I have a leadership position myself. I'll be taking over as president of the National Speakers Association coming up in July uh, 2011. So very much looking forward to that. And productivity, of course, has everything to do with leadership, whether you're managing yourself, managing a team, managing employees, or looking for ways to improve the productivity in your organization, depending on your level of impact and influence uh, within that. But I have been engaged in the field of personal productivity, helping leaders achieve maximum results in minimum time. And so that is our our, tra- our tagline, uh, my company, The Productivity Pro, I founded in 1992, so incredibly. <laughs> I have been in business now for 18 years, and it wow. is my sole focus and passion in the world of productivity, helping people who are working excessive hours, 50, 60, 70, 80-hour weeks, especially in these crazy times of doing much more with less on fewer resources and having greater results expected of you, uh, using productivity as a tool to get that work accomplished in less time with the goal of being, getting out of the office earlier and achieving work-life balance. So I view productivity as a win-win from the viewpoint of the employer and the employee as it increases morale and employee satisfaction and reduces turnover, uh, in addition to being good for the individual, I think it is uh, the best solution for business. Obviously, it's an easy sell in business to improve productivity as a way of managing costs rather than cutting staff or benefits or decreasing the quality of your product and service. And so I... uh, my mission of productivity is actually one of love. I look at it as a, a goal to balance our lives. I'm a mother myself. I have uh, three young children and, uh, you know, husband, house, business. So with uh, all of the work we're all trying to do to be engaged in our communities and our associations and churches and wherever else we play and work, um, I think it's important to have passion for all of those different areas and figuring out uh-huh. how to uh, make room for the things that we love is is the key. Well, so you know, it, it is so great that, that you, it's so great for you to set the stage that way, Laura, as I had mentioned uh, before we uh, started recording the call, I just came off of a, a two-day uh, retreat with a group uh, here in Tampa called Life Work Leadership, and mm. and uh, it's funny because uh, the woman who I went through the program with last year, we actually graduated last night, and I'm I'm helping to facilitate the 2010-2011 uh, class. The mm. woman I went through the class with uh, last year, uh, she, we were both at the graduation last night, and she was getting ready. Uh, 
late last night to leave for North Carolina. They were fortunate enough to have a house up there, and and I could sense that there was there was some unrest because she she knew she was going to go away. She knew she had to leave a whole bunch behind that was undone. She had drama going on in her family, and I wanted to share uh, just a, a little bit of, of a note she sent to me because uh, it it really leads in to uh, I think your message and. And this is actually a, a quote from a, a book uh, called The Sabbath by Wayne Muller. And it says, Life has become a maelstrom in which speed and accomplishment, consumption and productivity have become the most valued human commodities. In the trance of overwork, we take everything for granted. We consume things, people, and information. We don't have time to savor this life, nor to care deeply or gently for ourselves, our loved ones, or our world. Rather, with increasing dizzying haste we use them all up and we throw them all away mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he yeah. concludes by saying is this the happiness of which jefferson spoke of when he spoke of life and liberty which were intimately entwined with the pursuit of happiness and you know you you start out your book you you actually have broken things in into six keys and and uh, i i love the way that you've organized the book, I, I think Thank that it, it really makes a lot of sense in laying out what what is really, you know, it can look like a very complex challenge of, of sorting out this maelstrom that we're living in. Yeah. But your very first chapter, which which comes under the heading of your first key, which is uh, it's called activity, but I'm assuming that it's about managing that activity, is the first chapter is what's it all about, Alfie? And you know, it really comes back to what I just read to you and this this angst that my dear friend is having right now and and should she stay up in North Carolina for a few days or or come back and and you know try to manage all this activity that yes. she's got in her life. Well, and what happens eventually, of course, if we don't take care of ourselves, then we limit our ability to take care of other people. And of course, only having a finite amount of time and energy that we can dedicate to things in our lives, if we give it all away in one area, then we lack the ability to fully participate in another area. And many times we're last, you know, especially women. We put everyone else's needs and wants and wishes ahead of ourselves and we get the scraps. And as we feel more guilty, more consumed, uh, and, and more unable to deal with life's pressures instead of backing away and trying to regroup like what your friend sounds like she's doing beautifully uh, is to throw more time and and effort into things and think, hey, if I just only work harder, if I only could. And, and we never stop to just say, wow, I've arrived or I've achieved something or why am I pushing so hard to do this? And I, I think so many times we have this sensation as you read about but then never quite feel satisfied with any place that we are or anything that we've done uh, and that we do have to stop occasionally and right. pat ourselves on the back and say and, and be loving with ourselves as well and say I'm, I'm doing the best that I can uh, and right. acknowledge right. that we need that time and space for ourselves too. Well, some of the other uh, chapters that fall under that that first heading of activity is is why the heck are we doing it this way? Greater living through technology, all work and no play makes Jack a dull something, and my to do list has 117 things on it. Now, I yeah. would say only 117. So, so give us give us the the insights on on how to 
get control of all of that activity. Well, you know, just to give that some context in terms of control in a world certainly where people feel very out of control, it's not my intention in the book to figure out how to save people time just to have them cram more into it. Which is why I'm so I'm, glad you said that because isn't yeah. that exactly what we do? Well, we do. We manage a little victory. We have a small win, and instead of celebrating uh, successes, we just fill that gap. I know a woman that just hired a housekeeper and you know, figured out she's going to save five hours a week uh, by having this person and figured out where it was going to come from in her budget. And instead of taking that five hours and spending more time at the park with her children or dating her husband or whatever, she just filled it up with yet more work and so ended up not recovering any of that time. And so there is a sense where we do have control, and, and certainly many of us in a service role, as I am, you know, my clients, often need me on a certain day and a certain time, and you don't have a lot of control sometimes. And It's not as if I am perfectly in control of my day, but then when we have discretion or we have the ability to make choices, we don't often make good ones. Or when we have too many things on our plate, we, we're so paralyzed. We, we, we feel indecisive, and, and just sometimes it's easier not to make any decisions at all. And, and so we kind of default to the things that are easiest or quickest or or more trivial, and what I what I wrote about in, in this book, Super Competent, this, by the way, is my fourth, um, Random House published my first three, Leave the Office Earlier was in uh, 2004, and that's where this all started. It was on uh-huh. workplace productivity. I had already been in business at that point for 12 years, and it was what I found to be true about high performers. Well, then more people who, like us, you know, are, are women, we have interests outside of our worlds. We have people whom we love that we want to spend time with. Everyone said, well, how do I apply this to my life, to my house? How do I apply it to the rest of the world? So I had to write, find more time, get things done at home, and organize your life. So that was the answer to those questions. And then my readers said, but, oh, my gosh, this is all so much work. And now I'm, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> and how can you be productive when you're tired and you just want to sleep? So I wrote The Exhaustion Cure in 2008, and I I kept churning out all these books, and after a while I wanted to just really pull back and and get back down to basics, I think, to really kind of say in very very simple terms, what what is productivity in terms of these evergreen principles? And in the 18 years I've been consulting and speaking and writing on uh, productivity, I looked at what separates people who are these peak performers uh, from people who are kind of below average in the way of performance and looked at all kinds of things that that separate them? You know, one of those being the ability to relax, to set boundaries, to take time for themselves. But I came up actually with six uh, different keys, and because I thought of being super competent i thought of school what what did it look like in school when someone was super competent well they got a's right you know competence means average if you look at the definition uh to be competent means that it's sufficient it means adequate it does is not anything um 
above normal. And, and see, most people have this wrong. We talk about competence like it's a great thing. She is such a competent professional <laughs> when actually it just means normal. It's boring. There's nothing special about being competent. In fact, I would argue that today competence is just expected, right? I mean, right. Oh, just, absolutely, ooh. absolutely. And uh, you know, for for our for our listeners that are in between successes and trying to stand out among the crowd yes. uh, in applying for jobs, interviewing for jobs, even even just trying to get through the HR maze. Well, yeah, um, you might have a thousand applicants applying for 20 positions. I mean, it's absolutely. Not, it's it's crazy if you if you want to stand out or if there are layoffs and you want to be the last one standing. I mean, what is it that if you said to your manager, "I'm leaving," would they fight to keep you? That was the type of person I was interested in. Now, this doesn't just apply to work, and this is where it's really critical. I think no matter your calling, no matter what you do, you know, this this body of work and super competent applies to, you know, women who are working inside the home and not outside the home for retirees, anyone, I think, who's trying to rise above, who wants to pursue a superlative way of living for that, for its own sake. Um, you know, not necessarily because you're going to be paid more. I mean, sometimes that's a reward. But I know some people at the very low end of the ladders who do their jobs in a super competent fashion with pride uh, and with honor in whatever they do. So when I looked at what are those people, I found those six things, and because I was thinking of school, I named them all after letter A words, <laughs> you know, right. because in school, if you're competent, you'd get a C. That's just expected. That's average. If you were above that, you'd get a B, but if you were super competent, you'd get an A. So it's a little hokey, but all the keys start with A. So activity is the first one, and I'll just very quickly tell you what they are, and then we can discuss them. The second one is availability. So activity has to do with the things that you choose to work on, your priorities. Availability has to do with your schedule and your uh, how you can get those activities into your day. The third key is attention, your ability to concentrate and actually focus on doing a task, which I believe is a long-lost art these days because there is so much that vies for our attention. The fourth is accessibility, your ability to access and get your hands on the information that you need to do those particular tasks. The fifth is accountability, super competent. People take personal responsibility in their work in improving processes and making changes and never being satisfied uh, with good enough. And lastly, the attitude, the super competent person, all things being equal. If you had the same skills and knowledge and abilities of another person, the thing that ultimately sets people apart, of course, is the attitude that can do, never give up, always forward, future focus. So that's, that's it, Chickie. That's the evergreen formula of personal productivity. It's know what you need to work on, make time for it, be focused on it, organize the information you need to complete it, be responsible for your results, and never give up. And I know it sounds so simple, but having to you know roll down my 18 years of experience mm -hmm. and the things that keep 
us from being able to do that. That's really where my passion is right now in focusing well, let's start at the let's start at the end and and work backwards because I, I think it really all does begin uh, with attitude. And again, I, I love clever titles. And and uh, again, uh, something like productivity can seem like a really really dry topic. But yeah, uh, it's you know, the I can tell version of eat your vegetables. <laughs> right. So if you stew in your own juices, you're going to end up overcooked. I mean, how <laughs> many of us know people who who do nothing but, uh, you know, just wallow in how bad things are. Today, uh, yeah. part of this uh, retreat that I was on, they, they had us each go off for 45 minutes and just be quiet hmm. and journal. I mean, just – and a lot of – most of the people in the room were, of course, men uh, because it, it's aimed at CEOs. And uh, so, you know, here are these men, many of whom have never picked up a pen. But I went and I sat, and we were right at a restaurant on, on uh, Tampa Bay, and that, so it was a gorgeous view, beautiful day. And as I was looking out the window, I was sitting right next to the window, and there, the window was dirty. And uh, it occurred to me that I could have chosen to focus on that, or I could look past it, Mm-hmm. and see all the gorgeous stuff that was out there. So uh, t- tell me a little bit yeah, about your you know, there perspective. Are, there are always going to be things that, that get you, that drag you down, that make it difficult to live your life, be successful, have a good day, whatever your framework. I mean, I was working with a Sprint, a phone operators, and one of the one of the operators said, you know, I have this list of things I have to do during the day and I just I just can't get anything done because that darn phone is always ringing. And I thought, what? You're a phone operator. <laughs> I mean, that's your job. That's not an interruption. You know, let's reframe that. You know, those darn customers. I mean, so I see this negativity. I call it thinking, thinking, you know, where you can take anything so positive, like having 45 minutes to yourself, what a a blessing, you know, and then choosing to focus on the wrong things. And we all know there are are people like this, and they impact the team. Uh, They they pull others down. You know, it's that one rotten apple spoils the barrel mentality. I I believe that it's contagious, and, and we can infect people positively or negatively, and it will determine many times your promotions, uh, your relationships with people, whether they avoid working with you because you're jaded and negative and just really hard to get along with. Um, So many times we have to look at ourselves and look at where am I blaming other people and it's the company's fault and it's my computer's fault and it's these people in this meeting and it's their fault and it's my mother's fault and, you know, and I just... So many people point the finger outside of themselves and they they take 0% responsibility for themselves where the ones who really are super competent always look within. You know, what you said about looking past the window, I call that running past the base. You know, my boys are in baseball and the coach teaches them not to run to the base and tag it because you you pull up, you 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 speed. You have to run past the base. You have to run through the base uh, when you go, and that's the very same attitude, I think, that you're expressing. 
Oh, that that really is a wonderful perspective. So let's let's move on to accountability because I've got to tell you that that is one of the most important things um, mm. in my life. And and this friend who who sent me this note today, um, you know, kind of prefaced it by saying that she was breaking her own rules by by actually complaining. And and mm. uh, you know, but the fact of the matter is, I've got a I do have a weekly accountability group separate from this call, and then uh, you know. Uh, there are a number of people within the Executive Girlfriends group who have dedicated ourselves to a, a deeper level of accountability as well. And, yeah. you know, the ability to share, you know, the good and the bad and and to be able to also uh, count on someone else's expertise. And, uh, you know, so yeah. these women that I meet with every week here, here in Tampa physically – uh, well, we try to get together every week. Uh, scheduling uh, isn't always uh, allowed. But tell me, tell me what you mean by accountability, because I, I think that there are a lot of different ways that this can be played out. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and accountability, very simply, in my view, is that you take personal responsibility for your results. You know, when you say, "I will have this to you by a certain date," um, you do. When you <laughs> You know, even receive an email. I mean, very simple from an employee. Is your email like a black hole where, you know, people are afraid to send you anything because you have thousands of them in your (laughs) inbox and, you know, guilty and charged. (laughs) Well, and, you know, it's one of those things where what what messages are you sending out um, to other people through your behavior? I'm not talking about you specifically, but when Mm -hmm. people look at that, they might say, you know, my goodness, they want me to be productive. Right. You know, they expect this level, but yet this person can't even produce it. I think when we lack accountability to ourselves, to others, uh, we can produce resentment and bitterness. And, you know, we always have to be looking for opportunities to improve. It is it is a never-ending process. Super competent people are just avid learners. They're always looking for ways that they can up their game, uh, get better at it. Whatever it is they're doing, a process, a, a piece of software. Of, you know, we all know, I think, in our hearts where we lack skill, we need, need additional training, you know, or get frustrated. And a lot of times we just are satisfied with good enough and we stop trying to fix things. I mean, I'm talking anything. I'm talking about, you know, one of my friends had a BlackBerry, and the key on it, one of them was broken, and she'd have to mash it, you know, five, six times just to make the period work. You know, and oh. it's silly things like that where it's like, my gosh, all these little things that just eat at you um, right. constantly. And what are we tolerating? What are we putting up with from ourselves, from others? Um, so, you know, it's really taking a good, hard look at a lot of those irritations, incompletions, open loops, uh, lack of training in your life and saying, I'm not going to put up with this and this is not good enough for me. Right. And, and you know what? I think what this, I mean. this actually ties directly in, into the one that comes right before this in your book which is this whole issue of accessibility and being organized. Because in my heart, I want to be able to be accountable and I want to be able to perform. Um, But the things that 
that keep me personally from being able to keep my word about deadlines and and mm-hmm. uh, even sometimes about uh, keeping phone calls is that because I don't have someone handling all of my administration and I'm trying to work both on the business and in the business at the same time, um, an organization isn't my personal strong suit. Yeah. Um, you know, things get out of control. And, I mean, you talk about the black hole of email. And, I mean, I looked at my email today, and because I haven't taken the time to clean it out, I've got 17,000 emails just sitting there. Now, it's not that I haven't looked at them. You know, many of them I have. But if they even took a few minutes to answer, um, it could just be that at the time I didn't have that few minutes until I put it off. So talk to us about accessibility. If you worked in a corporation, you would not be allowed to have um, those emails. <laughs> Most people are very limited. You know, a lot of solopreneurs were, you know, we have the ability uh, to have endless amounts of emails. So you probably would have been forced a long time ago to to fix that. So, you know, those are the types of things where you say, wow, um, if I know I'm lacking in skill, I either need to hire somebody to do it. I need to get training once and for all. I need to come up with a system. Um, My email has zero, Um, and not because I didn't do the work, but because I know how to process email and can process 100 emails. Right, which is why I had you on my call, because (laughs) I need that so desperately. Well, and a lot of people, so for example, if you can't uh, delete an email and you can't forward it and you need to reply, but you can't reply right now and you don't want to file it because you would lose it, that's where a lot of people just leave it in their inbox and it just becomes this big to-do list. And not knowing what else to do with that email, you will default to that. So instead of always asking, finding a solution, going after the help that you know you need, as is evidenced right. by the 17,000 emails, you're just, it's, it's good enough. You're getting by. And we really have to get past the point where it's good enough because I bet those emails just eat you up. You, you oh, they do. Lie no, every time night. I look at them, I try to I try to do the math on how long it would take me to deal with them now, and you know yeah. that that's just an impossible situation. But well, you know, I mean, seventeen thousand. Yeah, it, it's certainly excessive, and and uh, you know, I use that as an example just just because mm. uh, it's right in front of me. But well, I'm sure that other people have similar kinds of things, and I guess this has something. Right. Yeah, whether it's their their paper, uh, their email, they don't know how to use a time management system. I mean, I, I see some people who are trying to use the Blackberries. You know, I have an Android. People have iPhones. Everybody's different. But, you know, they, they haven't figured out quite how to make that part of their system. So they, they have sticky notes all over the place. And it's always something. I mean, it's not it's not just you. That's why I wrote an entire key about this and right. each of the keys has what I call five mindsets. They are the way that super competent people just seemingly approach a situation differently. They think differently. And you know, within that one key there are so many areas that for many of us are, are out of so don't feel like, you know, you're you're alone out there. I've I've actually seen worse. I saw someone with twenty five thousand emails <laughs> um, in her inbox. You know, and so if it takes you an hour a day um, just looking for things, I mean, imagine where else you could be spending that time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, and making commitments to, you know, when you just look around your office, anybody listening to this call, and you just see, 
you know what it is. You know, you might have piles of paper that you haven't looked at in years. Uh, you know, you might have bursting files. You might not know what to do with whenever I find something on the Internet that's research that I want to keep a great link, where do I put that? So that's what accessibility will do for you, where whenever something comes to you, it's just part of you. Your system is just innate. You know where it goes. And when your brain thinks of something, you know where to capture that. So a lot of people need a great deal more focus in resolving those areas for themselves. Right, right. Um, some of the other things uh, that we talked about were, were focus. And, I, I, again, I think it, it's interesting actually going through these backwards because, uh, you know, unpeeling the onion, and I know you mm-hmm. wrote it in the order that you did on purpose. They're but, independent, though. They all, yes. yes, are very discreet topics. Because this whole issue of attention is when there is so much noise from the unimportant. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned earlier when you're dealing with your list and you've got a list of 117 items and you can knock out 30 of them in you know 30 seconds each, but they really weren't that important to begin with. They just kept yeah. remaining on your list because mm-hmm. you know they weren't important. And and I think so many of us do that. And and I've got a couple of notes. I've got a super big monitor. Uh, uh, on my desk, and I've got one, uh, I actually took business cards and flipped them over, and I wrote on the first one, work on, not in, because I need to be building uh, revenue-generating components of my business, and the more I work in it, which is probably why the administration never does get done, is I don't make any money when I work on administration, and because we've had a very long dry spell, we haven't had the revenues to you know to hire someone to do those things for me. The next one um, is focus, and uh, you know it's this whole uh, thing that you call attention, and it isn't until you get all those things lined up that you can get to my third one, which is momentum. Yes. And it doesn't begin with an A, but I think they all line together. <laughs> Activity. Yeah, you know, momentum. I always say that um, just because you have momentum doesn't mean you have any results. You know, there's a lot <laughs> of people who look, who look very busy and who are right. very good um, at, you know, getting to the end of the day and going, my gosh, I was busy all day long. What happened? Um, right. You know, one of the things I know to be true in my business is that it wasn't until I was seven years into my business, and I was still um, by myself, no employees, up till midnight, you know, trying to get things out the door and done. It wasn't until I bit the bullet and went in uh, for a person to help me with the administration before my business first hit six figures. So, oh, I, I totally agree with that yeah, one. I totally sometimes, agree. you know, you do have to pay people to help you when you can't afford it, and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles new business owners can't get past is their ability to separate from some of that hard-earned money, especially when it's painful and everybody's sure. businesses are, are down right now. But you won't have the ability to focus and have attention to those critical tasks that are more strategic and proactive and long-term that are revenue-generating until you can get rid of some of those other things, I think it would be a very smart choice on your part to bite the bullet and get someone in. Yes, can uh, I give my husband's that. phone number so you can talk to him? 
<laughs> no, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm yes, being silly be now. But let, let's talk a little bit about that same thing. We've just talked about the entrepreneurial side and the small mm-hmm. business side. So what about the big corporations? You know, 20, 25 years ago when I was in corporate life, um, you know, we still had uh, large buildings that when you walked in, they actually had receptionists. And, you know, in, in each department, we had a ratio typically of somewhere between 8 to 12 people uh, to a single admin. Uh, I think in most companies, admins have completely ceased to exist, except for uh, Well, in and actually that's not true. I still do a mm-hmm. great deal of uh, work with administrative professionals. Many larger organizations, in fact, have um, associations of administrative professionals. I uh-huh. speak at their professional retreats. So it still depends on the level that you're at. When you right. hit director level, you know, and VP, senior VP level, you will have an admin of some kind. There still are um, huge cadres of professional administrators. So I still find uh-huh. that that's true. It's usually people, though, who are at the managerial level and the individual contributor level sure. uh, where that's gone. Or you're sharing one person for for 30 people. Right, um, right, so which in that for all practical case, purposes exactly, means that you don't have you know, one. for most people who aren't, in the executive ranks, um, or at least junior executive, they are <laughs> their own uh, admin. So, yeah, right. I think largely that's still that's still the case. So let let's talk a little bit about focus. Uh, some of the titles of of the chapters within this section are "Don't Open That," eBay, Yahoo, YouTube. Oh my! Well, the just looking work- at. Yeah, and I know we're coming to the end of our call here, but just looking at the things that right. take your time, that take your attention, um, that that are indeed time wasters or time robbers, and everybody has theirs. They right. have different occupational hobbies, I call them, <laughs> that they they lean toward, especially when they're procrastinating on not doing something that they know they need to be doing. So for you, you know, it might be Facebook for someone else. Right. It might be uh, personal phone calls or excessive personal emails. Some people are you know, doing a lot of Internet surfing or shopping for their kid's birthday present on the Internet when they should be focused on calling customers in the middle of the day or whatever it is. You know, We have to limit our own distractions externally, but we also have to limit the, um, the noise in our heads you know, not listening to our little brains firing, telling us, do this, do this, do this, and, you know, to really be able to stay focused uh, on one particular task. So focus is a very important topic and one that most people, I think, don't give enough credence to these days. They're just kind of multitasking in whatever order things happen to appear in their lives or on their screens or in their heads, and that's definitely something everyone needs to work on. Well, great. Well, the the last one you've you've actually touched on it several times uh, through through the rest of our dialogue, which is is the whole topic of availability and and the yeah. one that jumps off the screen at me is uh, stop the meeting madness. And uh, I know it's so much time in meetings. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm I am constantly amazed with my clients. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, to even get on the schedule, you know, they're already four weeks out. And, you know, I don't know how any work ever gets done. You know, it's amazing. They spend, you know, all day in meetings, and then they have the real work. And every time you go to a meeting, of course, your to-do list uh, just grows. 
you know, and so people have become a lot more serious about not accepting meeting requests. If you cannot articulate very uh, quickly what the decision is that we're making here, what is the anticipated outcome, exactly what is the agenda, what am I expected to bring? Um, I know a lot of people are becoming much more uh, critical uh, with their time, whom they're willing to meet with, and, and how long, and treating their own time and really appointments with themselves uh, as more important than other people's time. We're just so willing to give everybody else our time, but then we have none of it left to do our work. You know, so you, you've got to block out time on your calendar. You don't have to tell anybody it's a meeting with yourself. It's none of their business. It just looks as you're like you're unavailable. Um, you know, to actually sit down and work on those critical tasks when you have the energy um, to do them. And so setting up your life and your calendar and your schedule in a way that works for you uh, is becoming very, very important. Well, Laura, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. And can you let our listeners know how to reach you? Sure. They can always email me, laura at theproductivitypro.com, which is my website, theproductivitypro.com. And there is a micro website for the book where they can take the super confident assessment for free from the book, and that is supercompetentbook.com. Dot com, and there's a Cliff's Notes version of the ebook, which is free. They can download and videos. There's a book club and a discussion forum. If this is something that really strikes a nerve in anyone on the call, and they would like to focus in any of the six keys in an effort to become yet more productive, we welcome them to uh, to join the community and uh, participate at that site at supercompetence.com. Well, Laura, I really, uh, I, I know I personally have gotten a lot out of today and can't wait to put some of these things into practice. Again, the book is, uh, the title is Super Competent, mm-hmm. and our guest was Laura Stack. And Laura, I hope you will uh, feel free to join the Executive Girlfriends group whenever you oh, can. Yes. Uh, we give all of our give all of our authors a free membership so that uh, you can continue your dialogue. Uh, we've got uh, different authors who actually take information from their blogs and post it on our private site uh, so that our members can enjoy that. So we look forward to having you back again. And uh, again, I'm so glad we were able to work this out today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been delightful. I appreciate the interest and your time, and I hope everyone has a productive day. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay.